Thanks for tuning in to this week's sermon at Fountain City Church. We hope that you are blessed by this message today. If you'd like to learn more, you can check out our website at fountaincity.org. <laughs> hey, it is so good to see you guys. Happy Father's Day again. Thank you for giving. Um, thanks for believing in what we're doing as a church family. Uh, for so many of you, you are stepping into just being a part of our church. And um, I really like working and talking to husbands and fathers because innate in each one of us is this desire to provide for the next generation and to fight for those who have needs around us. Uh, and so, guys, I really appreciate you stepping up. Um, let me just say this. One of the things that I really is burdening my heart as a culture um, is seeing a culture of men who are the first to step up to things. Um, do you know in 99% of churches, every church I've ever been in, the men are the last ones to step up. I hate that. And it's actually pretty disconnected from how men work. Men like to be the first one to put their shoulder into something and kind of charge the hill. But for some reason, when it comes to church environments, sometimes that, that gets swapped. And so, guys, I just want to invite you into taking ownership of a culture and really setting the tone and the standard for what it means to, be, to belong to God. Uh, is, is that a good thing? Guys, are you with me? Uh, for us, setting the standard and uh, the tone. Um, sometimes I, I told our guys, sometimes on Sunday mornings, it's interesting. Church environments don't seem to be built for men quite as much. Uh, there's something about intimate worship and then just listening to lecture-style preaching. Like, guys want to do something, right? I want to, like, put something to work. And so can I encourage you? There's a lot to do to put your faith to work here in this house. Um, all right, today we're celebrating Father's Day. Um, Dads, if you guys are wired anything like me, then a special day is not really something that ministers to my heart in a great way. Anybody else? Like, I'm not much of a gift person by nature. When I get gifts, I have to, like, tell my face to be surprised and really excited. <laughs> Even if they're nice gifts, I just very rarely do I think this is exactly what I've been dreaming of. It's, it's different for me. As a man, the way that I am wired, and I don't know if this is true for everybody or if it's just specific to me, so I'm just going to project a whole lot today, if that's okay with you guys. Um, gifts are nice. Words of affirmation are really great. Um, but what makes me come alive is knowing that my life is carrying meaning and purpose and impact for people around me. Are you with me? That is what makes me come alive. Guys, is that true for you too? Like, I want to know that I'm making a dent in something. I want to know at the end of the day when I put my head on the pillow that something is different, something has changed because of my life. Um, and if that's not there, you can tell, give me all the words of affirmation, you can give me all the gifts, and it won't mean anything. Because I really need to know that this thing means something. Uh, and so let me pause really quick because I do this sometimes. Um, I forget things. We're taking up baby bottles for Sound Choices Pregnancy. Um, if you took bottles with you like six weeks ago, we'd love for you to return those this week so that we can get those back. All the donations, all the proceeds go directly to Sound Choices and helping moms who are contemplating abortion, contemplating discarding a pregnancy. Um, and this is a group of women who lead people to Jesus. And they uh, talk about the dignity of the life in their womb. And they talk about how the Spirit knit that child together. Uh, and so we just want to give everything we can to them. If you haven't given and you'd like to, we do have a handful of bottles left, and we can collect those this week. Um, also, two other things really quickly. July the 4th. Everybody say July the 4th. That's a Sunday in two weeks. We're actually going to be doing a—is it in two weeks? Yes. 
We're going to be doing a big block party out on the lawn. We're not having any service. I'm not doing any speaking. Some of you are like, thank God. He'll never shut up. We're going to be out here. We're going to be eating food, grilling. We're going to have inflatables. And this is twofold. We want to have a party for us as a community and what God's doing here. But we also want to start to connect with our neighbors. And so the East Highland neighborhood is one of the neediest neighborhoods in Columbus. And we feel like God has positioned us here for this season to really love on and reach out to those who are in need. And so we're making a big block party to invest in our community and our neighborhood. And so we need volunteers that day. We want you to just come and have fun. Uh, It's going to be a blast. Um, Part of that is we want to get the word out to our neighbors. Uh, And so this Wednesday, the 23rd, and also the following Wednesday, June the 30th, we're going to be taking some postcards that we had printed, and we're going to go door to door all through East Highland and just invite the neighborhood to come. Uh, And so we would love for you to come and help us. Um, We'll be uh, at six o'clock. We'll be at the ministry house. We'll walk the entire neighborhood for the next two weeks uh, and make sure that people just get prayer. They get invitations and they get loved on. And so it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, Last but not least, I'm missing one thing, Ashley. No. We need men. Hey, when we're walking the, the neighborhood, we don't want just groups of women walking by themselves. Right. And so, guys, if you will come and go with us, maybe you're like, man, this makes me a little nervous. I don't know about walking the neighborhood. Please come. We'll help. It's really normal. It's, guys, it's normal. It's a very natural thing. If it's just not something you've done before, come and participate. And um, I think that, honestly, it's the funnest thing that we do every time we do it. Um, and so we want to encourage you to come out this Wednesday and next Wednesday at 6 o'clock. Um, all right, that's it. Okay, so um, every single one of us men wants to have meaning and purpose. Um, And I believe that's true of every person here. And, you know, I also want to just stop and recognize that for some of you, you have lost fathers. Uh, You don't have a dad in your life right now. And it's incredibly painful. Some of these days feel very burdening, very painful, um, because you're carrying the weight of loss and hurt in your heart. Uh, And we just want to say as a community, we recognize that. Um, And today, man, if you don't have a dad in your life, there's a handful of us. We will take you to lunch, and we will celebrate with you and be those father figures for you or big brothers or uncles or whatever. But you, you're not alone. Um, and I just want you to know we feel the weight of that with you. Um, but guys, as we kind of step into this day, I want you to hear me say that you were created to be a person of consequence. Every single man in this room, God made you to be a person of impact Uh, You were created to show up in places and with people in a way that changes their lives for the better. You were created to bring structure and order to things. And while it's really incredible to think about doing that in businesses or with uh, the properties you own or just life out there, the greatest impact we make is being present and invested with those that God has given to us in here, in, in our loved ones, with our church family, or even in our circles of influence. Are you, are you with me? It's easy for us as men to turn all of our attention to the world outside. And God loves to highlight how he wants us to invest not only in our physical families, but in those that God has entrusted to us. Because that is the deepest investment that you and I have. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15, Paul has this to say. He says, even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you don't have many fathers. Listen to that. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you, imitate me. 
So the Apostle Paul in this letter to the church at Corinth, he's hitting them with this really heavy confrontational letter. In fact, in the next letter, he's like, sorry, I know I really busted you guys up, but I'm also not. He says, like, sorry, not sorry. I'm sorry, but I'm not really sorry because it caused you to come to repentance. Like he's leveling some things at them. Uh, He's teaching them how to quit living for themselves and having a self-centered spirituality. And he's teaching them what it means to please God and love others. He's talking about this. He's talking about being a person of impact. But listen to his appeal. Even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you don't have many fathers. To a group of people who are fighting to find their way, they are struggling to serve Jesus. They are struggling to know what is right from wrong and how to love others versus serving themselves. Paul appeals to them not as a great teacher, not as an apostle, not as a friend or a philosopher, but as a father. That word for guardians in that passage is the word tutor. Uh, In Roman culture, the boys were actually entrusted to a live-in tutor until they came of age, which was around the age of 12. And so these boys would be entrusted to this person who basically would show them all the things about Jewish culture at that age. They would learn Torah lessons. They would uh, learn how to keep their home and do basic things in trade. They would learn about morality. Um, But it was just a short-term education and a crash course in the basics. But when these kids grew up and they actually crossed this line into manhood, they were entrusted to their fathers as apprentices to learn the family business and to learn how to be a man of God. Paul writes to us, Blake, he writes to me and you that the world has plenty of tutors. The world's got plenty of short-term leaders who simply point the way for a season. But what about spiritual fathers who can show us the way in long-term, committed, devoted relationships, what it means to be a, a son or a daughter of God? Where are the fathers? Paul's looking around and he's saying, you guys have an incredible investment of people who know a lot of Scripture and they know a lot of good things, but they're only guides that kind of point They're they're just showing you from a distance how to take steps, but the world is looking for dads. The world is looking for fathers like you guys. I've seen you show up for your families and your wives and for your kids and in your lives to model and illustrate what it means to be a man of honor and character, what it means to make decisions for God. And the world is looking for that kind of person. Paul says, you got plenty of these guys who are just short-termers, but nobody, when you're going through a hard day, do any of you call podcasters? No, nobody calls YouTube preachers or authors when you're going through marriage problems or you're struggling with your faith or you're struggling with the same area of sin over and over. No, man, you, you long to look in the eyes of someone who's down the road from you who has seen a little bit of fire and come out the other side who can level at you some love and some wisdom and dedication. Someone to say, it's going to be okay. You're going to be all right. And guys, it's, it's not just true of us. Some of you feel the weight of that personally. But can I tell you, the world is searching for fathers. Being in church ministry, it, it's been really eye-opening. How many leaders my age I look around at, and I see them all searching for spiritual fathers. All of them. And they're all asking the same questions. Who are the people ahead of me that I can trust my life with who will show me the way forward, who aren't just going to treat me like another 
task item or agenda item, but they really are like invested in who I'm becoming. It's something that is so deeply, innately born into all of us that we are looking for a father. Because when a father is present, um, something dramatic happens to us. And we have to understand that the world is really dying for fathers right now. In the words of Eli Gotro, they're looking for someone who will find them and feed them and fight for them. They're looking for someone who understands looking for the lost sons and daughters who have a heart of challenge that will step up and begin to look past just my kids, just my extended family, to others who don't have. Are you with me? And when I look at this group of men, I've got to tell you guys, I see in you some of the, uh, the radical kind of violence against the absence of fathers. I see you leaning in and pouring in. I see you fighting to be present. And I just want to tell you, you're good dads, man. I see over and over again in this room full of people, maybe you haven't heard it enough or you haven't heard it loudly enough. You're a good dad. You're pouring in in a way that is incredible and your kids' lives will be changed forever because of it. Research is showing more and more the dramatic effect of having a present father on the outcome of children. On the way they relate to others, on the safety and security that they feel personally, on their sexuality and how early they become sexually active, their work ethic, their self-respect, the way they choose their spouses. And guys, that's just in the natural. God is really wanting us to be loud about this, that the role of a father is vital. It's central. Are you with me? For some reason, on Mother's Day, people are a little louder. And mothers are dramatic. Like, you guys are so important. We've seen the heart of moms in our churches. Uh, We've seen the, man, my own mom. I've just seen the dramatic impact she's had on my life. But I recognize that without my dad, there's so much that I lack. Right? Paul's talking to a group, not as their natural father. He's actually speaking to them as a spiritual father. And he says with confidence, guys, you can look at my life and you can imitate me. You know, as a pastor just working with young adults for years, there's so many conversations that I have with people where they just say, I don't know how to do life because I didn't see it modeled. Guys, we have this opportunity. We have such a sweet invitation to step into this place and model what does it mean uh, to create strength and confidence in our kids and the legacy that comes after us. Um, Because there's something that happens when a strong and consistent father is in the picture. I remember years ago, my older brother was working as a a leader of um, an adolescent boys program with Take the City. Uh, Not Take the City, sorry, with Teen Challenge. All my worlds are blending together. He was in Ozark, Missouri, and I would uh, go up, and I spent a couple weeks with him helping to wrangle some boys when he was first starting this program. And, I mean, guys, it's crazy. What, what Teen Challenge does with adolescent boys programs is the wildest thing you've ever seen. Just go hang out for a minute and watch. Um, <laughs> they were up, like, in the shale up in Ozark, Missouri, and these kids were struggling with authority and struggling with listening to people. It's because they had so many father wounds. And I remember my brother calling me and I was talking to him and he said, you know, some of them have rocky relationships with mom. He said, but 100% of them have a dad wound. 100% of these boys have some deep father wound that is forcing them into destructive habits to try to figure out who they are now. And some of you guys have had that experience. Some of you ladies have had that experience. 
it's hard for you to hear that God is a father because you can't wipe your dad's face off of God. In fact, I would say we spend more time in church ministry trying to help people wipe dad's face off of God than anything else. I think God is like this because this is how my dad was. And I say this not to shame dads. I say this to highlight the importance of who you are in people around you. Are you with me? I, I've got a, a dad who, whose dad was alcoholic. My grandfather was an alcoholic. He, he got saved at the end of his life, and really his life was changed. My dad baptized him, baptized his own father. Um, but his dad was an alcoholic and a womanizer. And I have watched how that's impacted my uncles and my own dad. And I watched what I got to, to earn. My dad gave me a, a fresh start. I never had to deal with alcoholism or addiction in my house. I never had to deal with any of the things that they had to deal with, wondering if dad's coming home, wondering if dad's going to hit mom. They never had to carry any of those wounds because for them, they came to Christ and Jesus washed their bloodline and he changed them. And for so many of you, you have really hard, hard stories that are attached to your life when it comes to family. And I want, I want to hear you or I want you to hear me say that, that God is with you and he is calling you to step over that line and not to be one that propels uh, what you have seen that was negative in the past, but to really father like God fathers. And God is a father, right? But sometimes we have to work really hard to make sure that dad's face isn't on God. Um, I'm going to be a bit of a mess today, I think. Why would God ask us to address him as father? Why, out of all of the things that Jesus could introduce God as, why does he choose father? He says it like this, this is how you should pray to God, our father in heaven. Why would God invite us to call him dad? Is it possible that there is more to fathering than just my isolated experience of my dad? I had a good experience. but Some of you have had really crappy experiences. And it's like funneling down into the rest of your life right? It's hard for you to hear that God is like that because of your own hardship. Um, But maybe it's possible that God himself has given us fathers, good fathers, in order to mirror and reflect his own nature in humanity. So we have to ask ourselves, if God wants to be called father, what kind of father is God? Let me read out of Luke chapter 15, verse 11, and I'm going to read it a little quickly because it's long. Um, We're going to read from 11 to 24. Jesus is telling parables about God's disposition toward us. And so maybe you've had a rocky father relationship and you've come to this text and Jesus is describing what kind of father God is. To a group of people who think they know who God is, but they don't. They still see God as vengeful and angry and just waiting to smush them. Maybe some of you guys feel like that this morning. But in Luke 15, 11, he says... There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Dad, give me the share of the property that's coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Now, this is a slight in their culture. He's basically saying, Dad, I wish you were dead. Give me all the inheritance now that I would have gotten when you pass away. So this is the deepest slight that he could bring. Not uh, not many days later, verse 13, the younger son gathered all he had, and he took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. 
And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I am perishing here. I'm starving to death. I will arise. I'm going I'm to get up and I'm going to go to my father and I'm going to say to him, Dad, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, but treat me like one of your hired servants. And he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, here's the rehearsed speech, Father, I've sinned against heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, uh, quickly bring the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf, bring that big bull out in the back and kill it and let's eat and celebrate. For the son, my son was dead and he is alive again. He was lost and he's found and they began to celebrate. What kind of father is God? If Jesus is so apt to call God father, it's important for us to know that maybe this father is unlike any father we've experienced before. And as we see who God is, he's inviting us as fathers to also step into this place where we're living out this kind of life. The scripture tells us that God is a merciful father. I don't know about you if you've had that impact with your own dad at home, if he was a very merciful person. Um, but we see this picture here of God the Father being merciful, who is searching and longing for us no matter how far away we are from him. Remember, even as we were talking earlier about getting a different picture of God, it's vitally important, guys, that God shows us who he actually is because the world is hungry for God. But many people come to God with some archaic idea that God is just angry and wanting to crush me. And for some of us, it's because our dad's faces are on God's. And God is inviting us to see a bigger and a better picture where he is actually pursuing us. I don't know if you remember yourself on your very worst day, the farthest from God and from connection to the people that you love. God says on that day, the moment that you turn back to him, he is not standing with his back to you, angry and railing. He is running after you before you ever turn toward him. While you are still a long way off, God is running toward you. What is the disposition and the nature of the Father toward us? God is merciful. In, in that culture, you had to come into city gates in order to get to the homes where people lived. And if you were a son who said, Dad, I wish you were dead, give me my inheritance, the penalty of that in that kind of culture is that when you get to the city gate, what happens? The leaders kill you. They pick up stones and they stone you outside the city because you have brought shame to their city and their family. And what does the dad do? He runs. He books it. He knows what the verdict is from everybody else toward you. And he says, not my kid. Not my kid. The, sec the second that boy turned around, I was already looking. I was already running with everything that I had to get to him before anybody else could put a hand on him. 
And some of you have felt that. You have felt in seasons like you were turning back and that God would be the one with the stone in hand. But over and again, what we see is God who is sprinting toward us. In Jesus, he sprints toward us. He saves us with everything he has because God is merciful. He's merciful toward you. He is that kind of a father. And some of you have those kinds of fathers and they model what it means to be so deeply loved. It's a hard thing for a little boy to say, Dad, will you hold me, right? You get older and older. Some of you guys know this. I don't know what age it is where suddenly you want to be a man. And still what you genuinely want is your dad just to hug you. Every single one of us. You ladies know the same thing. Like, I'm a woman, but what I really want, what I really want for somebody to wrap their arms around me is to know I'm safe and I'm okay. This God is merciful. He's merciful, but he's also celebratory. Look at what he does. He doesn't just say, get in here, you knucklehead. You know what I mean? It's not even like a comedic moment. He freaks out. He goes way overboard. <laughs> like, I am kind of an uh, even kill kind of guy. It's something I'm trying to put to death because kids need you to go overboard. And this father goes, he goes crazy. He says, get the best fattened calf, the one we've been saving for the party. Slaughter that thing. We want the biggest steaks for this because my boy's home. Now, I don't know if anybody has ever wronged you in a way that made you feel, God, like they cut your heart out. That's what we see right here. The boy cuts his dad's heart out, and when he comes back, his dad is so merciful that his only reaction is to be wildly celebratory. He doesn't give some pep talk right now. There's no lecture. He just freaks out and kills the calf and starts making steak. Some of you you dads, you've got this, like, Spiritual gift of just grilling, right? You know what I mean? Just People are coming. we got to get the party going. That's what we see in Dad right here, that he is celebratory, that he is making space, that he is going buck wild over his boy that comes home. And for some of you, you may feel today like your heart is far from the Father or far from your earthly parents. And I want to tell you that God is inviting you to see that he celebrates when you turn. He celebrates it long before you get back. You just say, I want to come to my father. I want to come home. And he says, come home. I'm ready. I'm ready. I've been dreaming about this. I remember there were years where my, my, uh, one of my brothers was just far from Jesus. Uh, and, and seeing the desperation in my own dad's heart, in my own mom's heart, and then seeing him come back to the Lord and seeing, man, how that woke us up and made us feel alive. God is calling people home. He celebrates the return. God's heart bursts with joy and gladness when his kids are with him, and he is a restoring father. When you come back to God and you expect to get scraps at the servant's table, He says, I want you to put a robe on him and a ring on him and sandals on his feet. A robe to keep you warm when the cold night comes. It's protection. All through the scriptures, they say, don't take a man's robe. It's his protection. Don't you dare do that. That's immoral. It's unethical. And he says, I want you to put my robe back on him. So when somebody looks at him, they see the protection of the father over their life. I want you to put a ring on his finger. And that day they would put a signet ring and they would have a stamp on the top with a person's seal on it. So the ring wasn't just a piece of jewelry, it was his authority. A kid could put that ring down on a piece of wax and it would leave dad's print on it. So they knew this guy comes in the name of his father. 
He says, you're not, just a, you're not just some servant. You're just not a slave in my house. You have actually been called back uh, to be protected and to take my name and authority on me. And he gives him sandals for his feet uh, to, be, to be protected. This is something to keep the rocks that would cut your feet up on a long journey, keep your ankles from twisting. And he says, I'm protecting you. God restores This is what it means to be a father because this is the kind of father that God is. He is merciful and celebratory and restorative. He is a loving and forgiving father. And today, I really, man, I feel like for some of you, I know that you might not be from um, an experiential part of the church. I want to invite you that I really feel like the Lord wants you to look at him and for his voice to be spoken over your life what he thinks about you and who you are, because you may be scared to death uh, that you're going to get God's anger or his back, and he wants to show you who you are in him. And it's scary, right? If we're being honest, it is really scary to open our hearts up and to trust that God is different. And that's why Jesus shows us this picture of who the Father is, because God is so loving and merciful that we don't even have a grid for it. So what are we called to do? If if this is the kind of father that God is, what does it mean for me to be a father? Can we do something right now? I'm looking at y'all's faces, and for so many of you, you are holding the weight of the world in your chest. And we're talking about something that's incredibly close and personal. Uh, Can we just listen to the Lord for just a moment together? Uh, We don't ever do this, you guys know, but I I really feel like we just need to wait because I feel like the Lord wants to minister to some of you. Um, And my heart was so heavy just in prep for this um, and feeling like a deep longing for people to feel the touch of the Holy Spirit today. So, Father, would you just come and heal us? God, even now, Lord, our picture is so skewed. And for some of us, God, we just have so many missing pieces to seeing you clearly. Lord, would you come? Hmm. God, strengthen our hearts just to hear what you have to say. I feel the weightiness, Father, that people carry uh, of losing people or having an absence of someone who's alive. They're just not around. Um, And God, we come to you with this really tender place. We just say we need you. We need you, Father. Help us, Jesus. Help us, Jesus. So if God is a father like this, then what are we called to do? You know, what we see in this restorative work in uh, Luke chapter 15 is what God always gives us. And I think for every single one of us, I look around, every one of us is called, you men, Every one of you are called in the same way that God gives it to give provision and protection and purpose. Fathers are called to work hard and strive to provide what their kids need. They're called to put themselves last, to wake up first, to work hard to care for others. Uh, And I might suggest that God actually calls us to provide not just for our kids, but for the poor and the weak around us and those who don't have earthly dads. You know, something that is really, really deep in my heart is for our community um, that this wouldn't be um, just a day where we kind of reflect on our own kids. 
But where you start to look around, guys, and you get a heart for people in our community who don't have dads, or for single moms in the house who need someone to lift their arms. Are you with me? It's that father mantle. We start to step into a place where we understand what it is to lift the burden and to put our shoulder into something because God is calling us to build cultures that are family, family, that even when your family takes a hit that you can look around and see that I've got people with me. I'm not alone. I'm in a tribe of people. I'm not isolated. And that God is calling me to himself to show me who he is and to invite me in something forward. He, he provides for us. He calls us to be providers. Secondly, he protects us. Fathers are called to cultivate a kind of strength that protects the innocent and the oppressed and the weak. John chapter 10 says it like this. I am the good shepherd who lays down my life for the sheep. What is God's version of protection? He puts himself as, as the first line of defense between the enemy and the people that he loves. In that culture, they would build these pens for the sheep as they were out in the wilderness. And it would be, cl- it would be completely enclosed except for one open space. And they never had a gate to put there. So what did the shepherd do? The shepherd slept in that hole. He put himself in the opening and he said, if anything's coming in, it's got to get through me first. If there is a picture of fatherhood, I don't think there's any more specific one than that. And guys, I want to invite you into cultivating a kind of spiritual violence against the enemy's attack against your family and your kids and your wife and even in our community, that you would begin to foster eyes to see, to have a discerning and interceding heart that looks out into our community and says, I see what the enemy is doing here, and I'm going to begin to pray and intercede and stand in the gap to protect. Are you with me? That when someone is being um, used and abused, when someone is being pulled into something that leads to death, that there would be men in the community who wouldn't jabber, and women in the community as well, wouldn't jabber, but would go in love and intercede and protect people. They would begin to pray with with a violent kind of fervor. God, free them. God, keep them safe. God, go before them. And that you would meet their needs where you can. Are you with me? Not just a culture of fathers, but a fathering culture. We desperately need that. We desperately need that. We have people who have been hurt and failed, and what they need is the solidity, the consistency, the love of a father. And finally, purpose. Fathers are called to fill people with purpose, right? The father gives the son his ring. It's not just protection and provision. It is him saying, son, I want you to do something with me. Not just for me. I actually have a purpose and a destiny for your life. I'm really like captivated by the story of John the Baptist the older I get. Because John the Baptist is in this moment in John chapter 1 verse 19 where all these crowds are surrounding him. And John is preaching the gospel. He's preaching the good news and people are being baptized and turning and repenting. This is not Jesus. This is the guy that came before. And they come to him and they say, man, you are so powerful. Are you the Messiah? And John simply says, no. I'm just the voice of one calling out in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. In reading that, sometimes I look at that and I think, man, John must have just been on his face with the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit's just giving him this formation. Who you are, John, you're a voice preparing the way for the Lord. And then I read in Luke chapter 1, where John the Baptist is being born to his mother Elizabeth. 
and his dad standing over him. And God gives Zechariah this revelation. He says, and you, my child, you will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare the way for him. How did John the Baptist know who he was? His daddy told him. His dad told him. So when John hit those moments where he doubted who he was or he was struggling with sin or he was frustrated and couldn't figure out why he didn't seem to fit anywhere, he looked back and his dad, Zechariah, said, I told you, you'd be a voice of one who prepares the way for the Lord. Guys, what we need so desperately, what we have always needed from our fathers is what those in this community and the generations below us desperately need from us. They need someone to look you in the eyes and say, this is who you are. Don't let the world tell you who you are. This is who you are. This is your purpose. This is your power. This is the strength that God has put into you. And I believe we see this so firmly in God because he wants us to see it in ourselves, that he is sharing this space. Marty, there is something about a dad looking a kid in the eye and saying, this is who you are. Remember, you guys who don't have kids yet, maybe you're not even married yet, learn how to give identity that God gives and to wipe off the crap that the world puts on people. Because people are covered in junk that is too heavy and too big for them. And God is inviting us to be identity givers, right? Adam was called to name things, to look at people and give God's name for them. Some of us, we're walking around with a whole host of names that God has never spoken. And it is our God-given right and identity as men to be violent against the names that don't come from his mouth. Are you with me? We're surrounded, man. We're surrounded by people who carry names that God has never spoken. And I'm asking you men in here to step into that space. And I see it in you. Some of you already, man, you operate here. God, you love to just attack the works of the enemy. You see it. But can I just expand your family borders right now and say, look around? Genuinely, look around. One of the things that are hard in a church plant is we have all these new families who come in and everybody feels like they're the new family. And you're just one among like, you know, 50 new families. Uh, But in church plants, this is true. If you've been here for two months, basically you're like the owner of the culture. (laughs) You know, like (laughs) you've been here as long as most people. (laughs) I remember Ashley and Tyson when they started coming. I was like, what do you guys want to do? What do you feel like the Lord's put in your heart? They're like, we're really new. I don't know. And I was like, you've been here as long as anybody now. It's time. (laughs) If you breathe air and you are consistent, you're a leader. I don't know what to tell you. Congratulations, you've been anointed. (laughs) What's it look like for us to be a father in culture that begins to fight for other people, that puts God's names on them? We are called to give purpose and identity to people. We are called to provide and protect and restore them to that unique purpose God has called them to. In closing, what do we do when our earthly dads don't look like God? What do we do with that? Our culture is plagued with men and women not knowing who they are, not knowing that they're loved, not knowing how to make wise decisions or that they're safe because they didn't experience that at home. And for some of you, you live with this constant pain of chasing after what dad didn't provide. Maybe he knew how but didn't, or maybe he didn't know how and couldn't. And some of you in here, you have suffered abuse and neglect 
and emotional unavailability. And can I just tell you, this is how this fleshes out oftentimes for men and women. Uh, For men, we spend all our time searching for affirmation that we're enough or that dad is proud of you. I don't know. um, I've got a great relationship with my dad. He's in here, so it's more tender, I guess. Um, He's always loved me, always loved me really well. I remember as a man, there was a season where I desperately needed to hear him say that in a specific way. You guys know what I'm talking about? And he didn't know that because I never told him that was too risky. Um, So I just waited to hear. And I was on the phone with him one day, and uh, and we were talking through something I was just struggling with, and he, he just leveled it really quickly. Hey, I am really proud of you. I was a full-grown man. I had kids and a wife. I'd heard him say, I love you, I'm proud of you in a million ways, but I needed this specific way, and I didn't know I needed it until he said it, and I just started weeping. And for some of you, you are chasing after the affirmation that your dad is proud of you and that you're enough, but you can't seem to work hard enough or become strong enough or get enough girls or make enough money to fill that hole that's in your chest. And ladies, maybe you find yourself chasing after the love or the affirmation of a dad uh, that you never saw at home. And no matter how successful you become or how many men or women you sleep with, you just can't seem to find that soul-satisfying protection and identity that you long for. The absence of dad is a grenade in our soul. For you, if you're feeling that today, I see this picture of God, and I see this picture of dad, and I see this distance in between. God invites you to embrace him, and he wants to empower you to forgive those who have failed you. Because listen to me, there is no amount of you being angry or hurt or chasing after that affirmation that's ever going to fill the void. Jesus wants to fill it for free. You don't have to earn anything. You just come to him, and God, who is chasing after you, longs to fill it. Um, let's, let's close. For many of you, you don't have a dad in your life, and, uh, and today you just need someone to love you and pray for you and reassure you that you're not alone. And I want you to invite, uh, invite you to come and just pray with my dad or Marty. I've asked them specifically as to patriarchs, people of, uh, of age and wisdom, just to come and pray. Uh, and I want to ask you guys to do that. Dad, Marty, would y'all come? Just come over here for me. Uh, some of you desperately need somebody to just put their arms around you today and say, hey, I love you. You're doing good. I'm with you. You're not alone. And if that's you, you got some dads in the room, okay? Um, I don't know if I'm old enough to be your dad, but I'll be your dad. Um, I feel that with you. I hope you've sensed that, especially you ladies when you come in. For some of you, you've taken some really, really deep hits. I want to invite you into the safety of family. Desperately want you to feel safe, uh, that you have people who can love you. Um, Others of you are really struggling with the pain of a relationship with your physical dad, and you just need the strength to forgive. That unforgiveness is drowning you. You're becoming someone trying to Find the affirmation that you need from dad. And and God wants to give it to you. And he wants to empower you to forgive your father so that you can love him and receive love. And so I want to make space for that. Diane, would you come and help us to pray through that?
And finally, some of you guys feel like me. I'm watching some of your faces, Blake, Paul, like I see it. Um, that the Lord is asking you to move past physical fathering to meeting the needs of others and seeing your life as a resource. Uh, you guys are called to be fathers, past just your kids. There's something in you. There's so many of you else in here. I know for Dustin, if you want to see him get crazy, that would be the spot. Roman, the same. What does it mean to father David, Justin, Greg, David, all through here? We have a community and a culture filled with people. God is calling us, Johannes. He is calling us to step forward and to begin to father and create family for people who don't have it. And if that's you, you're just saying, God, use my life like that. Would you allow me to be a father who can stand to the left and the right of people and champion them and love them and see them healed? I want to invite you just to come. Just get on your knees in God's presence and just give him your life. God, how can you use me? Can we do that together? We're just going to turn on some music. Um, I want to give you an opportunity just to respond to God's love. Every one of you, maybe none of those things hit where you're at, but, but you are just getting a different picture of the God who pursues us, comes after us. He wants you to see him as he is. And so can we do that? Go ahead and stand to your feet. The calls are there. I'm going to leave them with you, let you guys respond.